This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. For joining us. Um, open your Bibles, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 12. And then we'll also be looking at uh, the book of Mark, chapter 6. Today we're beginning a new series of sermons entitled Vanishing Virtues. I believe there are certain virtues that are in the process of just vanishing, just disappearing from our country. So over the next few weeks, Lord willing, we'll be looking at three, four, maybe five virtues that I believe once again need to become part of our biblical core values Today, as we kick off our series, we'll be looking at the virtue of honor. Now, most of you know that missions has been deeply ingrained in my DNA. My parents were missionaries for 18 years. My sister and her husband were missionaries for 20 years. My wife and I were missionaries. Uh, My daughter and her husband are, are missionaries. So... Uh, there's just something about missions being in our, our, our DNA. But as part of my ministry over the years, I've, uh, I've, I've traveled. I was going to say I've had to travel, and sometimes I'll look at it as a have-to, but really uh, it, it's, it's a privilege to travel to other countries. Before I travel, I always try to educate myself to the do's and the don't, don'ts of, of that particular country because, unfortunately, whether you know it, We as Americans have earned, and I say earned because I think a lot of it comes back to our actions, we have earned the title of ugly American over the last few decades. So I I, I try to educate myself, find out what is appropriate. Um, So before we get into our lesson, let me share a few examples of some actions that show honor as well as some actions that show dishonor in some of the countries that I visited. In the country of Myanmar, or formerly known as the country of Burma, where in the 1800s the great missionary Adoniram Judson served served for nearly 40 years, I learned that when you greet someone and shake hands with them, or even if you are just handing them something, it's very honoring for you to grab your forearm or your elbow when you hand them something or shake hands. That's just uh, very honoring when you do that. It was interesting, uh, somebody gave us a, uh, a gift card for Cold Stone Creamery, and so we were in, in uh, Springfield a couple of weeks ago, and so we decided to go there. After we got our ice cream, I, I handed them, him my gift card, and he rang it up, handed it back, and it was so fascinating. He was of Asian descent. He grabbed his forearm as a show of honor as he handed it back to me. We got out of hearing distance, and, and, and I said, Faith, did you see that? He was showing me honor as he handed back the gift card. In the country of Thailand, uh, I learned that as you greet someone, it's honoring to put your hands together with a slight bow. I've flown Thai Airways at different times, and and, and they're probably one of my favorite uh, favorite airlines, just so classy. And, And I read recently that they are one of the top 10 airlines in the world. But anyway, when you get on the plane... They greet you with a slight bow. You get off the plane, once again, they honor you. 
I also learned when I was in Afghanistan a few years ago that it's very dishonoring to sit with your legs crossed in a manner where you show the bottom of your shoe. In doing so, you're indicating that the person who sees the bottom of your shoe, you're indicating that they are beneath you. In Japan, I learned that an honorable greeting is done with a limp handshake and little to no eye contact. You know, here, you want a firm grip and you want to look them in the eye. There, you kind of drop your head, just give a limp handshake. That's honoring. I learned in India... It's very inappropriate for men to shake hands with women. In the country of Turkey, they're in the Mount Ararat region where when you go into the tents of the Kurdish people, the, the, the Muslim semi-nomadic Kurdish people, I learned that you always, you always, you always remove your shoes. To not do so shows great dishonor. In Nepal, one of my, my favorite countries in the world where Mount Everest is. In fact, eight of the highest 12 mountains are there in that country. But there you eat with your fingers. That's your silverware. Your fingers are your silverware. And here's what I learned. You never eat with your left hand. The left hand supposedly is used to perform matters associated with toilet hygiene. I'll just leave it at that. So you always use your right hand to eat. And that, that's also true in Nepal's neighboring country of India. I learned in the country of Nigeria that a handshake ends up with a finger snap. They take the middle fingers and they snap it and it, and it ends up like that. So every handshake, I don't know how they do it. I, I, I tried it, but they're able to snap it. That's the handshake in Nigeria. In the South American country of Bolivia, where I was born, if, if you're with the Aymara Indians, it's very honoring to greet them with a handshake and then a bear hug and end up with another handshake. In fact, my wife, I'm going to ask you to come up here. This is show and tell here for just a couple of minutes. Um, so with the Aymara Indians, this is the way that you would do a very honoring greeting. And so whenever we go to a church and you have three, five hundred, sometimes two or three thousand people, they greet us. Every one of them will greet us that way. Now, if you're with the mestizos, those that would speak Spanish uh, in, in the country of Bolivia, they will greet you with a kiss. And if you're really good friends, two kisses. It'll go something like this. You've got to make. Thank you. You can go. Um, and you know, I have to just say this over the years, I have kissed hundreds and maybe even thousands of women. And if someone just started listening on the radio with that statement, they're probably wondering what kind of pastor this church has. He's a kissing pastor, I guess. What are some of the things that bring honor or dishonor in our country? Well, a man who had been to over 100 countries was asked, what are the do's and don'ts of showing honor in America? And he laughed and said, it really doesn't matter here. Now, he was joking, but there was probably more truth to his statement than he realized. Because showing honor is not a priority for most Americans. You know, we've been so programmed to, to just be yourself and, and celebrate who you are. And if somebody doesn't like it, they can just lump it. And we say, I don't give a rip 
because that's just who I am. So instead of showing the virtue of honor, we seem to put more importance in being ourselves. Now, again, there are two passages of Scripture that will kind of propel us into our study. The, the, the first, and, and you have this actually in your bulletin. I'd like for you to go ahead and pull that out. This is your memory verse for the week. I'd like for you to memorize it. Um, and let's just on the count of three, can we just pull that out and say it together? I think it's on, uh, on the wall behind me as well. So on the count of three, let's just read it off the wall here. One, two, three. Don't just pretend that you love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of the good. Love each other with genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Again, that's Romans chapter 12, 9 and 10. Now, for our second scripture, we're going to go to a very familiar story where a group of people failed to show honor. It was an incident that took place in Jesus' hometown. And the people who should have honored him the most honored him the least. Let me give you the context. Jesus was returning back to his hometown of Nazareth. Nazareth, remember, was not where Jesus had been born. Where, where was Jesus born? Bethlehem. But, but Jesus spent the majority of his growing up years in Nazareth. So, so Jesus came back uh, on what today might, might be called a teaching and miracle working tour. He had been traveling across the, uh, the country, turning water into wine and raising the dead, opening blind eyes, healing deaf ears, multiplying the loaves and, 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 and you know, just feeding the thousands. And he even healed Peter's mother-in-law, which many scholars believe that is the reason that Peter later denied Christ. I'm actually just joking there, okay? Some of you didn't get it, but that's okay. But as Jesus went back home, you would have thought that this would have been quite the homecoming for the hometown boy that made it big. But let's find out what happened in Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left that part of the country, returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. The next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. They asked, where did he get all his wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? So the people were like, this guy is amazing and he's incredible. His miracles. Where did he get this power? And well, as always, there were some skeptics. Did you know that in every church, in every congregation, in every gathering, there will be some skeptics? And as they listened to Jesus, they, they got to wondering where he got the power to do all these miracles. And, and someone said, piped up and said, who in the world is this guy anyway? Well, in verse 3, someone answered that question and, and said, he's, catch this word, he's just the carpenter. He's just the carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. And, and listen to this. When they found out that he was just the carpenter, just the boy of Mary, they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Why were they offended? Well, the Bible doesn't say, but it probably boiled down to jealousy. I mean, his friends didn't like it that he had made it big. And just like how many people today don't like it when their childhood friend does well in life. Well, let's keep reading. And I'm going to switch over to the NIV for this verse. 
Verse 4, Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, the Greek word that's translated without honor in the original manuscript in, in which the New Testament was written is the word atimos. What that word means is to treat as common or ordinary. So without honor is to treat as common or ordinary. So in your marriage, if you want a marriage without honor, let me tell you how to make it happen. Treat your spouse as common or ordinary. That is what dishonor means. Now, on the flip side of, uh, of dishonor is the word honor. And in, in the Greek, it's the word timao. And that means to value, to respect, to treat as precious and valuable. Let me, let me try to explain it this way. Just a down-home illustration. I have uh, several casings here um, on the table. And these are spent casings. They're not live. So don't worry, about your, don't worry for your life right now. Um, two, two of these casings are very common and ordinary. If you were to steal them, I probably wouldn't press charges. Um, uh, another one I'd hate to lose, but again, I probably wouldn't call the cops on you. And then one is very special. If you stole it, I would probably seek the death penalty for you. Just saying, just a warning. So, let me explain. Here is a 12-gauge shotgun shell cartridge spent cartridge there's nothing significant about this at all except for it helped me harvest uh, a, a nice turkey and my motto is always leave no trace behind even for this i don't like to litter in the woods and so i'll go looking under leaves whatever to try to find a spent cartridge and uh just common that's all this is um this casing right here is very common as well. It's 30-06 shell um, casing and uh, nothing special about it except it helped me harvest a, a, a nice buck. Very ordinary. Now, this one right here is uh, a little bit more special, a little bit bigger. This is actually a 30-millimeter casing. This one was fired on a training mission here in the States from an Apache helicopter. Um, nothing really that special, you know, a, a little bit of sentimental value because a friend of mine who was in the guards, he actually thought of me and, uh, he got it for me, thought that I would like it. He knows what I like. It made me happy, but it's just a training run. No big deal. This casing right here is the most special of all. Um, this one was fired from an A-10 Warthog fighter jet over Iraq during a combat mission. Um, now, the A-10 Warthog was designed in the 60s and actually put into service in the 70s. It's uh, down through the years has been an amazing workhorse. So what are we looking at? 50 years pretty much of service for the A-10 Warthog. It fires 3,900 armor-piercing rounds per minute. 3,900 per minute. I, I, I did the math. You can do the math as well. That comes out 
to 65 of these per second. It fires 65 of these per second. The cockpit and, and flight control system are they're, they're protected with 1,200 pounds of, of special titanium armor, armor that's literally, I was reading about this, it's referred to as the bathtub. And uh, it, it can actually take fire from um, 21 or 23 millimeter projectiles and up to 57 millimeter fragments. And uh, the A-10 is not one of the faster jets, but it is very maneuverable. The Air Force has been trying to retire the Warthog for years. It's too old, but, but there's nothing in the fleet that can replace it. They just keep flying it. It's a flying tank. Now, now the reason that this casing is so special to me is that the pilot, and, and this is a single-seater jet, the, the pilot was possibly in danger at the moment that this shell was fired. Again, not a training mission. This was a combat mission. And, and, and so when I look at these three casings, they're, they're common. They're, they're ordinary. Uh, but this one, I would never treat as common nor ordinary. Um, it, it's valuable, not, not monetarily, but, but, but to me it's valuable because of where it's been. And, and not to mention the target might have been a human life. And so to me, it's very special because where it's been, the danger that the pilot was under, and, and who knows, perhaps this even brought about the loss of human life. Now, I, I think that illustration helps us to understand what it means to honor, not just common, ordinary, but something that's special. Now, let, let's see what this lack of honor caused there in Nazareth. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5, it says, He could not do any miracles there. Now, I would have thought it might have said he would not do. You know, because he was upset. His hometown people, his friends, they weren't believing, so he would not. But it doesn't say that. It says he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people, heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. And again, I don't fully understand this, but this lack of faith, this lack of honor caused Jesus to not be able to do what he could in other places where they believed and honored him. As we look at this matter of honor, let's highlight four groups that biblically were, to, were called to honor. The first group, it's our parents. You know, we know that one of the Ten Commandments given by God specifically says we're to honor our father and mother. And I believe it has to break the heart of God. And young people, I want you to listen here. I believe it has to break the heart of God to see the way the young people will mouth off at their parents and roll their eyes at them or just blatantly deny, defy them. And let me just be old-fashioned and say that this is wrong in every sense. And furthermore, not only do young people fail to honor their parents, but many times as adults, we fail to honor our aging parents and, and we treat them as a bother, as a hassle, and this should never be. They took care of us for years while we were growing up. The least we can do is help them, honor them in those aging years where they need us. You may say, well, mom and dad didn't live honorable lives. You know, dad ran off with another woman and mom was a drunk or a meth addict or whatever. I want you to remember this. 
you don't have to respect them. Respect is earned. They may not have earned your respect, but honor is given. And God calls us to honor our father and mother. The second group we're, we're called to honor would be those in authority. And I, and I know this is a terrible time to talk about honoring our elected officials. My level of respect for the political process in Washington is at an all-time low. When I was trying to do this week, try to come up with a description, and there were words I couldn't use. But let me just simplify it and say that what goes on in Washington as a whole is a bunch of baloney. Many of our politicians do not live honorable lives. But nevertheless, they've been called, elected to govern us, govern over us, and and their position deserves honor. You say, I'm still not convinced. Well, let me read it straight from God's Word then. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Obey the government, for God is the one who put it there? Whoa. You mean he put Bush there, Obama there, Trump there? God is the one who put it there. All governments have been placed in power by God. Skipping to verse 4. The authorities are sent by God to help you. Verse 5. So you must obey the government for two reasons. To keep from being punished and to keep a clear conscience. You say, oh, Pastor, well, you know, it was easy back then because the governments back when this scripture was written were not as corrupt as they are today. Really? Have you ever read about Caligula in 37 to 41 A.D.? Do you know his motto, Caligula's motto? Remember, I have the right to do anything to anybody. That was his motto. He lived by that. He said that over and over. Remember, I have the right to do anything to anybody. And, and he lived by that. And it is said that he tormented high-ranking senators. On second thought, this sounds like a pretty good idea. By making them, by making them run for miles and miles ahead of his chariot. That's the way he tormented them. That was Caligula. Then Nero came along 20 years or so later. Uh, Nero had no conscience. And one day, for no reason, he was in a chariot being pulled by horses. There was this little boy in the road. He deliberately ran over that little boy for no reason at all. That was Nero. So this scripture... That, that we're reading was written in the general time frame of Caligula and Nero. And it goes on, and we don't like this verse, pay your taxes too. For these same reasons, for government workers need to be paid so they can keep on doing the work God intended them to do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and import duties and give respect and honor to all to whom it is due. So, again, we don't have to respect the personal lives of the elected officials, but we must honor their position. Now, under the same point, we should not just honor our elected officials, but we should honor others that are, that are in authority over us. We're going to get really close here. Those of you who play sports, you should honor your coach. I thought you'd say amen, Jay. Does your coach make mistakes? Maybe. But he's in a position of authority. You should honor your teachers. 
And parents, you would be wise to not talk down your teachers in front of your kids. It seems today that if our kid comes home and complains because he got in trouble at school, you know what? What do we do? We want the head of that teacher. We want him fired. And of course, teachers don't always get it right. But before taking your child's position, you might want to get the teacher's perspective. Um, And plus, if you always storm the castle for your child, they will never learn how to honorably deal with situations in life that are not always fair. You know, when there's a situation, even let's say the teacher is wrong, that's a beautiful time to teach your child, you know what, not everything is always fair in life. But we need to keep a good attitude. We need to honor them. Even when maybe they have done wrong. Well, employees, you should also honor your boss. You say, well, I'm smarter than he is or smarter than she is. And you may be. But before you learn to be over, you've got to learn to be under. You know, what's happening today is that nobody wants to be under authority. We we talk down anybody who is in any kind of authority. And when we lose that respect for any authority... Let me tell you what's next. Are you listening? We lose respect for God's authority. Thirdly, we should honor our spouse. Ephesians 5.33 says this. So again, I say, each man, men, listen. Each man must love his wife as he loves himself. Now, guys, we like ourselves pretty well, don't we? That's why we go buy ourselves all of these toys. Um... Yeah, you're supposed to love your wife like you love yourself. And women, listen, the wife must respect her husband. There's something about us. We we want to be respected by our wife. Uh, You say, well, there's just no way I can treat my spouse with with honor because they're not honorable. Well, respect is earned, honor is given. And, and sometimes if we treat them with honor, many times that will lift them to live honorably. The fourth group, we're called by God to show honor to our church leaders. Thank you for all of those amens. Um, let me say it again, okay? You missed out on a wonderful opportunity. We're called by God to show honor to our church leaders. I might say it again. <laughs> Now, obviously, this one here is a little bit uncomfortable for me to talk about. But since it's in the word, let me spend a couple of minutes here. First Timothy 517 says that the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. And so how can you show us honor? Let me tell you, take notes here. Okay, you can bring us chocolate chip cookies (laughs) or pretty much anything sweet. I'm joking. The truth is that most of you do such an amazing job here. But what does it mean? Seriously, what does it mean to honor those whose work is preaching and teaching? Well, it means to be under the spiritual authority of those who are in leadership. And, And it doesn't mean that you have to swallow everything or do everything that you're told to do. Not at all. But but God saw that it was necessary for there to be spiritual authority in the church. And every organization needs authority figures. You need that in the home, you need that in your business, you need that on your ball team, and you need that in the church. 
I um, I heard of a church consultant. Let me let me hurry through this. A few years ago, he had gone into a church to do some consulting work, and church had been in decline. And by the way, what is it? Eighty percent of churches in America are either in decline or they're stagnant. And uh, so we went to the, one of these churches that had been declining for eight years, and and the consultant picked up immediately that the pastor, every time he started trying to say something, the board would just interrupt and and just basically throw him under the bus. And and so after I don't know several hours of this, uh, they were wrapping it up, and and they said, okay, what's what's the verdict? How can we turn this church around? And and they thought the consultant would say, well, you need to start a contemporary service, or you need smart start uh, small groups, or restructure, whatever. But here's what he said. He said, I promise you, the reason why God is not blessing this church is because you're not showing honor to the man that you and God have called to lead you. And immediately they said, you don't understand this guy. He said, no, let let me show you what you've been doing. Every time he has spoken, you've discredited him. You've devalued the office of pastor. He no longer feels empowered or even trusted to lead. And That was one of those God moments because God began to open their eyes and and one by one they went around the room and and apologized and repented to their pastor for not speaking well of him or supporting him. And I'm not talking about supporting sin, nothing there. But this is a true story. This isn't just one of those stories that you get out of an illustration book. But within the next four years, remember the church has been declining for eight years. Within the next four years, that church had doubled in size as they started showing honor. Now, let me say something here that you're probably not expecting me to say. One of the great things about this local church is that you do show honor. You show way more honor than at times I feel I deserve. Let me tell you what it does for me. It doesn't give me the big head. And I know some people are afraid to show honor because, you know, we get proud and arrogant and all that. But when you show honor, it humbles me. And it makes me say, wow, if the people are willing to follow, I better make sure that I'm leading according to God's plan. Now, showing honor to church leaders isn't just for the pastoral staff and the board, but I believe we're called to honor our Sunday school teachers and and our small group leaders, those who watch our kids and our grandkids. I believe there should be honor to, to those who have authority. Let me head for the finish line, and, and I want to take a couple of moments and honor a few people here today. First person I want to publicly show honor to is my wonderful friend, the mother of my two children, Faith. Faith, I want to just say I'm, don't play yet, okay? <laughs> I am forever indebted to your faithfulness to your prayers, to your friendship, to your support. I honor you for all of the private sacrifices you've made that no one will ever know. I thank God for you. And in in about three weeks, what is it, 20 days, 21 days, you will have put up with me for 35 years of marriage, and I honor you for that. And then... I want to honor my staff today. I want want to honor Darren and Jane, Jim and Cindy, 
Tessie and Brandon, Silas, Richard and Wanda, Diet, Mitzi and Barb. I honor all of you and your families. I want to honor my dad. My dad physically can't come to church anymore. He's got advanced stages of Parkinson's. Just a shell of the man that he used to be. He's in the nursing home. But he showed me a life of prayer and godliness. I honor my dad. I honor my bosses, the, the church board here. When I took the, took the church, I was so inept, and 25 years later, I still am. <laughs> you know, I've heard that you're supposed to get better at something the longer you do it, but I'm in the slow class. The board has been so patient with me, and, and they've given, as my dad used to say so much, plenty of wobble room. <laughs> and I know they shake their head in exasperation every week, and they could have brought the axe down on my head many, many times, but they've shown the fruit of the spirit of patience and long-suffering. I honor the church board. And then I want to honor all of you. <laughs> You've been willing to put up with so many changes here at this church. You know, most of you were not here. But when, when I came to the church, and we were a pretty small church at that time, and those of you that were here, and Kirk, and some of you, Alan, you would remember that we had our little gathering, you know, at the end of Sunday school. And we'd have Sunday school superintendent would get up and have a little song, and, and then they'd, there'd be the penny march, and then the offering... Uh, you know, the birthday offering, you'd come in, put your, your, your pennies, and you get a pencil. You get a pencil with the church's name on it. That was so cool. And, and then anniversary, uh, you come in, and they'd be, you know, trying to find the right change. And, you know, as God began to give us growth here at this church, we began to make some pretty big changes. And, and then we spread our wings into two services. I remember... <laughs> It's been quite a while ago, but I remember when I started presenting that on a Sunday morning, there were people that were doing this. We don't want two services. But you didn't revolt. And then we got really radical and turned this second service into a contemporary worship style, and you still didn't revolt. And then you voted to build a $2.2 million building, and you paid it off. And then a couple of months ago, you voted to build a $400,000 addition to our Family Life Center. And we should have our building permit this coming week, Lord willing. Begin moving dirt soon. And here's what I believe. Don't, don't disappoint me, okay? I believe that it will be paid off by the end of this year. Please don't disappoint me there. I honor you. Because... You're generous. You're faithful. You're some of the finest human beings on planet Earth. But above all else, and I realize we've gone into overtime. Just enjoy overtime here, okay, for, for this Sunday. I honor Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the risen Savior, who gave His life and touched my heart. And I honor Him for changing me into a new creation and for forgiving more sin in my life than you could ever imagine, for empowering me to do things I could never do on my own. 
As I wrap this up, I ask the question, why is it that we are a culture without honor? Let me tell you why. Because we don't honor God. All true honor is born out of a heart surrendered to Jesus. We're, we're treating God as common. You know what God has become in our community? You know, the, the big guy upstairs or the, the, the man upstairs... He's become common. But let me tell you who Jesus is. He's not the man upstairs. He's not the big guy. He's the ruling, the reigning, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the righteous one who shed his blood that we could live. And when we begin to see him for who he is and begin to honor him, we will reclaim the lost virtue of honor. Let let me... As quickly as I can, tell one story and then we're gone. Babe Ruth. Anybody ever hear of Babe Ruth? It's told that there were seven home run bats that were autographed by Babe. Six of those bats went to individuals and organizations and they tracked them and they knew where they were. But the very first autographed bat disappeared. Uh, After several decades, it was assumed that it would never be found. Finally, after many years, it appeared. What had happened was that Babe's agent had given it away at a home run contest. And the guy who won it, he was not a celebrity, just a regular guy. And so he kind of disappeared into anonymity. Didn't want to advertise that he had the bat. Was not heard of again. He outlived everyone in his family. And so on his deathbed, because he had outlived his family, he said to his nurse, nurse, you're the closest person to me. And I want to give you my most valuable possession. And it was Babe Ruth's autographed bat. She didn't know a lot about baseball, but she had a feeling that it was pretty special. So for the next 18 years, she kept it in a safe place. You know where that was? Under her bed. She came out hard times financially. She was trying to open up a business. And so she thought, you know, I wonder if that crazy bat that I've had under my bed for the last 18 years, I wonder if it's worth anything. And she took it to someone and said, is, is this worth anything here? And, and the guy's eyes got big and he brought in some other experts and they determined that this was the first of the seven autographed Babe Ruth bats. Long story, it went to an auction and in 2006... It sold for $1.3 million. So she opened up a restaurant. She took all the remaining money, the majority of the money, started a foundation to serve the children that Babe Ruth wanted to serve at the end of his life. When a reporter asked her, why did you put the majority of that money into a foundation to help others? She said, the bat was only valuable because Babe's Ruth name was on it. And so the only reasonable thing I could do was something that would honor his life because he made it valuable. Let me tell you why you're valuable this morning. It's not because of your looks. It's not because of your wealth. It's not because of your house. It's not because of anything you have. There's one reason you're valuable today. It's because Jesus, Jesus, gave his life for you. That's why you're valuable.
You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.